0: Good morning, everyone. Today is, like I say every Sunday, one of my favorite gospels. Uh, This is one of those gospels, uh, scripture scholars and theologians will refer to this as almost a mini gospel. You know, if you met someone who wanted to know what is Christianity, you could give them today's gospel. And it's almost like the entire Christian message in short. Gospel, of course, means good news. And that's what euangelion in Greek, it means good news. And today's gospel is powerful. It's amazing good news. But to understand the good news, you have to first understand the bad news. And so today, we're going to, I have good news for you, and I have bad news for you. Uh, and so we have to take the bad news first. Now, this first part of today's homily, if you are someone who's scrupulous, if you're someone who thinks, you know, God could never love me, um, if, you, if I could ask you to leave the church for a few minutes, come back in five. You know, this, no, this part is not for you, though. Have you ever had news where you you knew you were going to get a little bit of bad news, but it was way worse than you thought? I always feel that way any time we have to spend money in the church. Right? They're like, oh, Father Brian, we need to fix this door. And I'm like, okay, well, that's that's not good news, but it's not that bad. And they're like, it costs $10,000. I'm like, I hate my life. Right? We experience this. Oftentimes I think of, like, if you go to a mechanic, you, you know something's wrong with your car. And I'm one of those people who, I'm, I wish I was a car guy and knew more about cars. I just don't. My dad is, like, ashamed of me on that count. But they could make up anything. You know, they, they could just, they could say, hey, the hypostatic union in your carburetor is broken. And uh, that's going to be about 18 grand. I'd be like, okay, thank you so much. <laughs> Sounds good. But maybe you've had that experience. you go going to get your car worked on, and it's, it's far worse than you thought. One of the worst experiences we can have is when that happens when we go to the doctor's office. And maybe you thought, yeah, I'm a little sick, and they come back and they say, no, the, the news is far worse than you thought. That's when it really gets hard. To understand the good news of today's gospel, brothers and sisters, the first thing you have to hear is that sin, we all know, is bad news. But it's far worse than most of us think. We live after the resurrection has happened. The resurrection of Christ happened. And so there's a tendency for us to forget just how bad sin is. Romans 6.23, St. Paul says, the wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. It separates us from God who is life. And our parable today, and this is such a great parable, and what most Catholics do, I think, is over the years of my, you know, long-experienced priesthood, people want practicals. And we'll get there today, but first we've got to pause and just listen. People always want to jump to, they're like, okay, this parable is about forgiveness, and I need to forgive people. That is true. That's absolutely true. And we'll get there. But before you get there, I just want you to hear some of the details. So, in today's gospel in Matthew 18, there's a servant. And then servant number one is the person we're supposed to identify with. When you hear about the first servant, that's us. And so the servant goes to the king, and he owes the servant, or he owes the king two. I'm going to start over. The servant owes the king 10,000 talents. Now, in our reading today, which we heard at Mass, the New American Bible, which is the translation we use at Mass, is just trying to help us out. And it doesn't say 10,000 talents. It says a huge amount. We need to put this in perspective. So a talent is the largest sum of money. It's the largest coin that you could have in the ancient world. It's like carrying a bunch of Benjamins in your pocket. But even more so. So one talent in the ancient world, uh, it was just a huge sum of money. Let's break it down. In Matthew chapter 20, so two chapters ahead of us, Jesus tells a parable where there's a vineyard owner and he calls all these people to come work in his vineyard. And at the end of the day, everyone gets a denarius, which is also used in today's gospel. We'll get to that. A denarius is a day's wage. So for the average person, what you earned in a day was a denarius. So I did the math on this, and I've done my homework. One talent, one talent in the time of Christ, is worth about 6,000 denarii. 6,000. Which means, if you never took a day off, and I was thinking about that, if you, you never had a day off, and I was like, oh, that's me because my congregation are slave drivers. Um, if you never take a day off, right, and you try to get to the point where you would earn one talent... It would take you over 16 years for one talent. The servant in today's parable owes the king 10,000 talents. 10,000. Have you ever had debt in your life? This means yes, this means no this is unacceptable (laughs) if you've had debt in your life you know debt is one of the most dangerous things that we can encounter in our lives Americans are terrible right now with debt people finance their lives with credit cards we always put our our happiness in the present and we pay for it in the future it's a bad idea Debt can be crushing. Debt also can make you live in fear. If you have a lot of debt in your life, it is a very hard thing. And it always is kind of over your head. It weighs in the back of your mind and it can keep you from being happy. It can affect your relationships. It is just a horrible thing. In the ancient world, if you had enough debt, if your debt became, got to a point that it was so out of control that you really couldn't pay it back, you and your family would be sold into slavery. And that happened in the ancient world. And that happens in today's parable. It's about to happen. Servant number one goes to the king and he owes him 10,000 talents. Brothers and sisters, no one can pay that amount. And they're about to be sold into slavery and the servant goes before the king and he begs for mercy. You know that sin's bad news, but it's far worse than you probably realize. Our debt before God, brothers and sisters, I'm one of those people, I'm not too scrupulous, I'm just not. I'm kind of like... Hey, God, we're cool, right? <laughs> I mean, I haven't gone after anybody, like just a couple of other priests, but they deserved it, you know? Uh, yes, I'm an aggressive driver, but I take out my tab and my collar so that no one knows I'm a priest. and You know? <laughs> it's like, at least I got that going. <laughs> and I just live that way. I think, you know, as long as I try to live a good life, you know, we're good, God, Right? That's not the truth. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to be a real Christian, you've got to feel the weight of, I owe God a debt that I cannot pay. Catholics can be famous for thinking that they can earn their salvation. No, you can't. You have a debt of 10,000 talents, and I hate to break it to you. I know you're really good-looking and talented and charitable. You have a debt you cannot pay. It's too much. And if that doesn't sink in, you'll never really be a Christian. Sometimes priests will experience this. And I do have to say, I'm, I'm really blown away by how awesome you guys are. Um, don't let that go to your head. But here at Lords, I haven't really experienced this. Our confession lines are growing because you're a bunch of sinners, but it's really good. I'm just kidding. Lighten up. But I love that our confession lines are growing. That's such a good sign. A healthy congregation wants to grow in holiness. They want to be closer to God, and that's happening here. That's awesome. Every once in a while, priests will have this happen, and I haven't really had this at Lords. Someone will come to confession and say, I haven't been to confession father in 10, 15, 20 years. And I, you know, I can't really think of anything I've done wrong. And priests always want to say, okay, what's your spouse's cell phone number? Because we're going to bring them in and they're going to help you. And they're going to have a long list. Brothers and sisters, we are not okay. If you're someone who goes through life and you just think, everything's fine, it's kind of another day, there's no room in, your, in that life for Jesus Christ. There's no understanding that your sin keeps you from God. That you have a debt you can't pay. If you're not a sinner, you don't need to be here. You can go to Wash Park with all the other perfect people and do crunches, right? <laughs> Coming to church means an admittance that we are sinners. We need God. And so this is so powerful I always think about it when I kneel behind the altar, right? And today you'll hear it in the Mass. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Your sacrifice is Christ. And thank God because we have a debt we cannot pay. St. Peter says this, 1 Peter one eighteen. He says, You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways you inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. My sacrifice is not just a financial offering my sacrifice is not just a lamb it's not an animal it's not a good work my sacrifice is Jesus and i needed that and so the first message today brothers and sisters wherever you're at in your life i know some of you in this church are thinking god couldn't love me i my life isn't good enough i have this sin in my life i betrayed this person I have not lived up to who I was supposed to be. Amen. Me too. But the good news of Christianity is not that you got your act together and God decided, okay, now I'll come down and I'll love them because they really repented and they're pretty awesome. No, you were a debtor that had a debt beyond all reckoning. And as Paul says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if that's you today, if you came to the Lord's and you're like, I don't belong here, I don't belong in this church, I'm not good enough. Brothers and sisters, nobody's good enough. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus poured out his blood for you, not because you repented, not because you're good, but because as our psalm says, the Lord is kind and merciful the line that always gets me every year, Easter Vigil, and there, there's a hymn called The Exalted. And it gets me every year. It's so powerful. But there's this powerful line It says, and it's speaking to the Father, and it says, to redeem a slave, you gave away your son. To redeem a slave, you gave away your son. And every year I hear that at the Easter Vigil. Brothers and sisters, that's me. I was that slave. And the father gave his son to ransom a slave. So powerful. So amazing. That's the good news. That's the depths of God's mercy and love for you. And so anyone here today, any of you, no matter what you've done in your life, don't ever doubt God's mercy. Don't ever doubt his mercy. To ransom a slave, he gave away his son. And there is no Christian, no human being that should ever despair of God's mercy. That's the gospel, That's the good news, and that's what we need to bring to other people. There's so many people out in the world today that don't think they're worthy of love, that don't believe they can find happiness, and that's our faith. Catholics sometimes get this backwards. We go after people sometimes, and, and rightfully so, the law is good. God gives us commandments, and sometimes Catholics, we go out into the public square, we talk to our friends, and You see your friend at work and they're doing something wrong and you say you should stop doing that. And you're right. But that'll never win them to Jesus. When someone tells me I'm doing something wrong, you've heard me say this before, I think last week. When someone's like, Father Brian, you did this wrong, I'm like, oh yeah, see you at the flagpole. We don't accept that very well. The reason we end up obeying God's commandments, the time that I want to obey God's commandments is when I realize how much He loves me. How could you not? How could you not stand beneath the cross of Christ? Who wouldn't stand there and say, and seeing that love, that infinite, boundless love? the sacrifice, the humility, who wouldn't stand there and say, Jesus, I repent. Lord, I repent. God's love leads us to repentance. And it goes beforehand. There's a great line I like, and there's a a Christian song, which I know most of you probably think Christian music is lame. I think most of it is, but this one's good. But uh, there's this great song, and there's this line from Cademan's Call, And it says, Lord, I pray that I might sow what I have reaped from your great love. That's backwards, right? When you're a farmer, you first sow and then you reap. But the artist says, no, I didn't sow anything. I didn't live a good life. I didn't sow any goodness in my life. And yet I reaped from God's mercy. And so now, Jesus, let me sow what I have reaped. This is the faith. This is what transforms hearts and lives. We have to get that right. In Exodus, for instance, God, I always love this, God gives people the law, right, the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 20. And I know, you know, it's Deuteronomy 5 as well. But he gives the Ten Commandments and the law, But he does that, brothers and sisters, after he's led the people out of slavery. God doesn't say, hey, Israelites, here's the law. If you keep the law, I'll save you. No, God saves the Jews out of slavery, brings them into covenant, and because he loves them, then he says, here is a law that will give you joy and blessing and peace. Some Christians stop at the first half. And they just stop and they say, see, God loves you, he's merciful. And that is so true, and we need to drink deeply of that. But then comes the second half of the parable. So the denarii. So servant number one owed 10,000 talents, it's forgiven. Servant two owes servant number one 100 denarii. A denarius, like we said, is a day's wage. So think about 100 days wages. For me, that's about 2.5 million, Right? Because you, you drive me hard, but you pay well. Um, no, there's somebody here who's like, not a Catholic, and they're like, seriously? <laughs> I forget what I make. I think I make about 24000 25000 a year, But just to not scandalize you. But anyway, 100 days wages, that's a fair amount. And what the parable is telling us is that when you're hurt by somebody, that's real. We don't have to pretend that people don't hurt us. When, we, when people sin against us, that's real. It's not a small thing, but it's just not as big as our debt before God. Our debt before God is so much bigger than the forgiveness we withhold from others. And here's the, the secret. I am not good at forgiveness. I'm just not. It's hard. When someone really hurts you, it is really hard to let go of that. I've got about five people right now I'm upset with. We publish their names in the bulletin so you can go after them later. Wouldn't that be awesome? I would love to abuse my power and do things like that. No. There are people, though, that I have a hard time forgiving. Here's the trick. What I usually do when I know I need to forgive someone, what I usually do is this. I usually think of why I should forgive them. And I'll say, you know what? They probably didn't know what they were doing. They didn't understand fully Or I'll read some intentions that are good into their actions, and I'll say, well, you know, they were probably intending to do good, but they just kind of didn't do it right. That's not Christianity. The whole point of today's parable, brothers and sisters, is that Christians don't forgive because they've figured out why someone behaves the way they do. Christians forgive because they have been forgiven. That's it. We don't forgive because we figure out a a motive in someone's behavior or because we excuse something they did. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And when we don't forgive, it's because we've forgotten our identity as sons and daughters who were adopted and never deserved to be. That's when I want to forgive. I want to forgive people when I realized that Jesus forgave me and I didn't deserve it. I had no case. I had no nothing to plead. I had no bargaining chip before God. And I couldn't explain away my sin. I couldn't say, Well, Lord, you know, I had a good reason for X, Y, or Z. I didn't. But he poured out his mercy. So brothers and sisters, today, Christians know how to forgive in ways other people don't. And you've got to forgive. But before that, before you ever do that, and if you want to do that better, and if you want to do that with a full heart, brothers and sisters, read this parable, Matthew 18, and remember the words of our song. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger, rich in compassion.